God is at work. He's at work in his church. What that means is, he's at work in the life of the individual. Transforming the heart and the mind. To be the people he has called us to be. This work will challenge us and take us out of our comfort zone. But through this process, we become stronger and better equipped to live the lives God has called us to live. Lives of virtue, lives of holiness, here and now, under construction. Cross Point Church, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It is great to see you here this morning. So excited to be back with you. And uh, how many of you enjoying the summer yet? Anybody enjoying their summer? Everybody enjoying their summer? Yeah, I'm really surprised because here, here's what I've gotten from summer so far: a hundred degrees and a ton of gnats. That's what I've gotten from summer so far. I haven't been on vacation yet. I haven't done the things that would i would really enjoy the summer doing but uh but that's what i've gotten so far but but let me ask you another question maybe we'll get a better response on this one how many of you love jesus this morning amen amen it's good to see you here i'm excited about the message this morning uh i know this is a really good one for me and i think it will be for you i want to pray for us and then we're going to dive into god's word together so let's go ahead and just bow our heads and, and go to the lord in prayer Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. We thank you for the reality that, God, when we feel weak, you are strong. God, we thank you for the reality that when we feel lonely, you are our best friend. And God, I thank you for this time together with my faith family. I thank you that we have this opportunity to gather together each and every week and, and just worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, to lift up your name in praise and adoration and 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 god just just give you all the glory that you so deserve father we love you so much and we thank you god for uh, what you're going to do in this place in this moment where we turn to your word and through your word god you encourage us you challenge us you cause us to think and you you cause us to react and god to run into your arms and lord i thank you for that opportunity i thank you father that you are our wonderful counselor i thank you that god uh, you draw all men and women unto yourself and so father we we're just thankful for your presence in this place and we're thankful for what you're going to do now and i pray god that as we prepare to dive into your word that you would prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word and god that you would just open our hearts to hear from you lord we love you and we praise you in the name of jesus amen this, uh, this message that we're going to be looking at here today is one that is very relevant to me. And I was thinking this morning on the way in, if this message isn't for a single person in this room today, if this message isn't for any of you, it's for me. And so if that's the case, I'm sorry that you've got to listen to a message that I'm preaching to myself. But it's, it's one that I think is is very relevant to me and I think it's going to be very relevant to you as well uh, with with everything that I have going on in my life I think this is one that is not just very relevant it's very timely for me personally like most of you here today we could probably divide our life into about four basic categories uh, our lives consist of mostly these four things our 
relationship with God, our relationship with our family, our work, and if any of us have any other time for anything else, it would be maybe our downtime or our hobbies or the things that we enjoy doing. And that's really what it is. That's, that's life for the most part, you know. Uh, you, you've heard the saying for so long that, you know, put God first and family second and work third, and those things sort of ring true. But uh, if you think about your life, those are the, the, basic, the basic categories of our life. And as long as those four things are working properly, as long as those four things are in balance and in harmony, everything's good, and if everything's good, then we're good, right? But along comes those times in our life that sort of disrupts the balance and the harmony of those four things. There, there are always going to be in our lives times and circumstances and situations that sort of spring up that none of us are really prepared for and as we deal with those things a lot of times if we're not careful what happens is uh, things like fear and anxiety and just uh, confusion and hopelessness seem to creep into our life and if we're not careful we suddenly find ourselves sort of losing uh, ourselves we, we find ourselves being very overwhelmed and Oftentimes, we find ourselves no longer focused on what's important in our life. As we deal with these circumstances that come our way, we suddenly find ourselves very distracted with life. And a lot of times, the first thing to go is that relationship with God, that spiritual element of our life, just seems to be the one thing that we forget because we're so focused on that one thing, whatever that one thing is in your life, we're focused on that one thing that is disrupting the harmony of our life. And so this morning, I want to talk about keeping your mind in the game. Keeping your mind in the game. And like I said, this is a message that is very timely for me with all that I have going on in my life as well, just personally. And I believe it's going to be one where God's Word is going to bless you as well. We're going to turn this morning to Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. We're looking at verses 4 through 8. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And we're talking about keeping our minds in the game okay and as i mentioned from the beginning of this series god is always at work in our life molding and shaping our hearts and our minds maturing us into mature believers or disciples of christ that's why this series is titled under construction because we're not talking about a building anymore we're talking about our lives being under construction and god is always at work in our life molding and shaping us into what he wants us to be and encouraging us and ministering to us the holy spirit is always moving and continually to continuing to sanctify us and encourage us and minister to us and for that i'm so thankful how many of you are thankful for the for the role of the holy spirit in your life just ministering to you and counseling to you and and working in your life and so we often see that that is a a reality for us and so in thinking about that, thinking about the reality that God is always molding and shaping and the Holy Spirit is always working and He's always doing His thing within us, sanctifying us, you know, one of the truths that I, I want us to hear this morning is the truth that we do not have to fall victim then because of God's work in our life. We don't have to fall victim to the battle that rages over our hearts and our minds. 
You see, we have an enemy that seeks to kill and destroy. We have an enemy that would love nothing more than to distract us from our relationship with the Lord, to take us away, to help us forget that which we so desperately need in our life, that, that authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves oftentimes battling evil with good and we we find ourselves in that battle between flesh and spirit and, and so life can really be a struggle but when you think about it we really shouldn't have to really struggle because we know that God ultimately wins right we know that God is in control we know that God is continuing to use our circumstances to mold and shape us and we have the ever presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and so we really have no reason to worry but we do worry and we have no reason to be anxious but we find ourselves anxious and we really have no reason to fear but oftentimes we find ourselves in fear and really lacking courage in our life and we find ourselves also losing the battle of life in our minds I want us to look at this passage this morning because uh, a lot of times we talk about the heart but we we may not always talk about the mind, and, and, and that's where we're kind of looking at here today. Our minds, I hope you understand this, but our minds are a precious gift from God. How many of you would agree with that this morning? Amen? Just the capacity that God has given us to reason, the capacity that God has given us to think, the capacity that God has given us to study, to learn, to develop mentally, not just not just emotionally this capacity that he has given us through our minds is really a gift from God and and Peter once I, I love this Peter once says prepare your minds for action prepare your minds for action and so a lot of times we we come in here and we talk about heart issues and we fail to talk about the, the things of the mind and and keeping our our mind in the game and preparing our minds for action that we must uh be involved in and, and and just in pursuing life and so this morning that's what i want us to be looking at philippians 4 verses 4 through 8 read this with me if you will paul's writing to the philippian church and he says this he says rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice let your reasonableness be known to everyone the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with, under, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is in any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now this is a very familiar passage to most of us here today. We've probably read this. If we've been going to church for any length of time, we've probably read through this passage many times. In fact, there's a, a lot of very familiar passages found in this letter to the Philippian church. And so here we look at this, and, and we see this, this passage that is familiar to us, but this morning, I want us to zoom in. I want us to zoom in to something that is, 
very particular here that I think Paul is saying, and, and I want us to start with verse 7 here, where Paul says this, listen to this, he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. So the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. And then the other thing that I want us to sort of zoom into is the very last words that Paul says here in this text where he says this. He says, I want you to think about these things. Think about these things. We've talked about how the mind is a precious gift of God. And, and with the mind, we are capable of thinking, right? We are capable of of intellectually processing things in our life and, and thinking. And so here, Paul says something really interesting that I think that we need to take away from this text today. He says this, he says, he says first, he says, uh, God will guard our minds. He's, so he's, he's talking about God being in this work uh, that we are experiencing. But then he challenges us to use our minds. So we, we see God's influence or God's work in our hearts and guarding our hearts and our minds. But we, we see that God is continually to sanctify us. But then he goes on to say that there's this expectation on our part to fortify our minds. And that's what I want us to look at here this morning as we dive into this text. I think it's really interesting to me. And like I said, this is... This is one that as I was just going through this and, and putting it all together, it just really was one that God was working on my own heart and, and helping me to see how timely this was for me, keeping our mind in the game. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to show you Paul's plan. I want to show you Paul's plan that he is sort of laying out here to us, Paul's plan for keeping our minds in the game. And here's where he starts. I think this is a really interesting place to start. But this is where Paul starts. And Paul wrote it, I didn't, so you know, we gotta go where, where he starts. But this is what he says. I think this is so interesting to me. But he says this, he says, start with a, a foundation of praise. Start with a foundation of praise, okay? He's talking about keeping our minds in the game. He's talking about how God's gonna guard our hearts and our minds. And so we're talking about here keeping our mind in the game. And what he says is, he says start, since we're talking about constructional things, I think this is a good way to say, to, to start with the foundation. That's where you always start anyway. But the foundation being a foundation of praise. Look at this with me, if you will. As we look at this, this passage here, we notice that Paul says in verse four, he says rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice. Now, I want you to grab onto that. I want, you to, I want you to grab onto that and see the significance. I don't want us to just sort of bounce across this like a rock skipping across a lake and, and miss the significance of what, what God's Word is teaching us here this morning. God's Word says this, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. That was kind of weak. <laughs> You, I, I know I caught you off guard, but let's try that again because I want you to get this. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Always. And in case you missed it, again, I will say rejoice, right? In case you missed it, again, I will say rejoice. And so Paul starts off, who's he talking about rejoicing in? In the Lord. He's talking about praising God. He's talking about 
rejoicing in the Lord. And so what we see here is that no matter what Paul's situation is, he was always praising God. Shipwrecked, it doesn't matter, okay? I don't know about you, I don't want to be shipwrecked. I, you know, I, I've, I've never been on a cruise. I know a lot of you have been on a cruise. I, I don't really have a fear of being shipwrecked, but I don't want to be shipwrecked. And, but with Paul, shipwrecked doesn't matter. Praise God. Praise God, you know. Beaten, stoned, and left for dead. You know, laying in the street, having been beaten and stoned and left for dead. Doesn't matter. Going to praise God. That's Paul. We know that because as we study the life of Paul, we see this over and over and over and over that no matter what his circumstance, the Apostle Paul is always praising God. And so what we see or what we take away from this is that he is constantly building this foundation of praise as he thinks about keeping his mind in the game. You see, the reason Paul is able to do this is because he never allows his circumstances to determine his happiness. He allows God to determine his happiness. It doesn't matter what he's facing. It doesn't matter what he's going through. It doesn't matter what he's experiencing because those things aren't, those things aren't the source of his happiness. God is the source of his happiness. God is happy because he knows God. I mean, Paul is happy because he knows God. Paul is happy because he has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That wasn't always the way for Paul, especially when he was Saul. But now that he's Paul, he, he's been redeemed by the power and the presence of Jesus in his life. He is, a, he is a man who can rejoice continually in the Lord because his circumstances aren't the source of his happiness or his gladness. The circumstances, his situations don't determine that for him. God determines that for him. What an incredible lesson for us this morning. What an incredible truth for me this morning. As I think about what the Word of God is teaching here, you know, guard our minds. Rejoice in the Lord. We see this word rejoice used twice. It literally means be glad or, or, or be happy you could say I, don't, I really don't like that word but happy too much but but be but be glad glad's a i think a more biblical word here i think it sums up what rejoice really means but paul uses this word he says this he also uses this word in between these two times of saying rejoice he says this word always so despite our circumstances continue to be glad now I understand that there are times in our life where that doesn't make sense. I understand that there are just times in our life, especially during times of sadness or despair, uh, when, when life doesn't lend itself much to happiness, right? There are times in our life, I'm dealing with that now with my dad, you know, who's battling cancer, and I'm just seeing him grow weaker and weaker every day. And this week, just sitting there in hospice with him and, and just watching him sleep and watching him grow weary. I, you know, I, and then I pick up the Bible, and I want to read through what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday. And it says, rejoice in all things, always rejoice. Again, in case you missed it, Dave, again, rejoice. And you look at your dad laying there, and you wonder, how can I rejoice in the midst of of this because that's not the source of my happiness God is 
my gladness, my rejoicing, my happiness, my, my peace doesn't come from the circumstance I find in life. We all know that all of our parents are going to pass away from this earth one time. We all know that, and, and, and it's never an easy thing to deal with. But the reality is that's not the source of my peace. God is the author and the source of my peace, and therefore my happiness and my joy and my gladness. And so when Paul says, rejoice in all things, always again i say rejoice that's literally what it means now we we look at this and we wonder well paul that's easy for you to say but do you realize where paul was at when he wrote this letter do you realize where paul is this is philippians his letter to the philippians is known as one of the prison epistles you know what that means it means he was in prison but not only was he in prison but he was also chained to two guards he talks about being in chains and so he's chained to guards so there's really no hope for escape if he wanted to so he's been thrown into prison because of his spiritual beliefs and the things that he's been preaching he's been thrown into prison he's chained to guards and he has no idea what tomorrow will bring he doesn't know if he's going to live or die tomorrow he just knows his circumstance now and so here we have Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter, and he says, rejoice in all things. Again, I say, rejoice. So we can't say to the Apostle Paul, well, you're not been where I've been. You're not dealing with what I've been dealing with. You're not going through the hardships. That... When I read the life of Paul, he's been through so much more hardship than I have ever been, and probably you as well. And so here... We have the truth of God's Word just really teaching us something that, that though sometimes it may not make sense, God's Word challenges us to rejoice, always rejoice. You know, it's really a matter of perspective. And that's why I think here as we look at this text, we, we see where Paul, he talks about the reality that the peace of God will guard our hearts and he throws in the mind as well because mind is some I mean perspective is something that is developed in our in our minds it's something that we we come to think of this is the way I think this is the way you think those are our perspectives and so really when you look at this it's really a matter of perspective if you're if you're sitting in prison or you're sitting in hospice it doesn't really matter as you sit there where's your mind is your mind dwelling on the things that are bringing you a bit of sadness in your life or your mind on a, a much greater picture that God is in control he always has been in control and that he is the source of my joy it really comes down to a matter of perspective I love what Romans 12 2 says it says this it says do not be conformed to this world look at this but be transformed by the renewal of your what of your mind by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern that is think you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect so look at this for just a moment Paul's writing to the Romans he says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind in other words allow the the spirit of god to transform your heart and your mind and to change your perspective 
where your mind no longer pursues the things of the world, but your mind now pursues the things of God and ultimately pursues God himself, amen? Seeking the presence of God. Romans 8, 37 says this, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, we have victory in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question here this morning. How many of you believe that? Two. Boy, that was, that was the slowest response. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know if he, if, that may have been a rhetorical question. That's what some of you were thinking, right? He doesn't really want us to answer that. Let me, let me read this again. Wake up. Romans 8, 37. I know there's heat and gnats, and that probably brought you in all sleepy-eyed and everything. It's their first service, so you may not have woke up yet. But let's look at this. Romans 8, 37. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him, meaning Jesus, who loves us or who loved us. We are more than conquerors. In other words, we have victory in Christ Jesus. Now, let me ask you again. How many of you believe that we have victory in Christ Jesus? There you go. Uh, speed up. Yeah, we... That was amazing. That was amazing. We have victory in Christ Jesus. Now let me ask you this. If we have victory in Christ Jesus, then why would our ability to rejoice in all things ever be displaced? Why would we not be? If we are more than conquerors, if we have victory in Christ Jesus... The only way, I can answer that for you, the only way that, that our, our joy will not be displaced is if our perspective changes and our thoughts are centered on God rather than our circumstances and our thoughts are centered on the bigger picture rather than the situation that we find ourselves going through currently. Remembering, despite their, the fact that there's a reality of sadness, remembering that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we begin with this foundation of praise. Can we just praise Jesus real quick here this morning before we continue on? Let's just praise Jesus. Let praising Jesus be the foundation of your morning. Let praising Jesus be the foundation of your day. Let praising Jesus, despite whatever the day may bring, let praising Jesus be the foundation of everything. Let praising Jesus be the foundation of your life. Amen? Let it be the foundation of your life. Now, secondly, here's what Paul reminds us of. We'll stick with this, this sort of construction thing, since that's the name of our series that, that sometimes gets cheesy to me, but, you know, I don't know. This time it just fit well. I don't do it every time. But here Paul reminds us to do this. This is the second thing I want to show you here. To raise a wall of prayer. To raise a wall of prayer. And so we begin with this foundation of praise where our perspective begins to change in our minds and we begin to realize that, that, that circumstances aren't dictating our happiness, our joy, our gladness, our, our life, and, and we rejoice always so we build this foundation of praise and now what he says is we need to raise these walls or we need to build these walls of prayer look at this with me if you will because if we're ever going to keep our minds in the game we must be people of prayer 
In verse 6, the Apostle Paul, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Just stop right there. How many of you have ever read that and go, yeah, right. I think I do it every time I read verse 6. This is God's Word commanding us. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. This is God's Word saying, Nick, don't you worry about what? Anything. Pat, don't worry about anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? That's what always comes. That's the natural response. That's the response that, that sort of flows out of the flesh as we read something like that. Why does that flow? Why does that response, yeah, right, sort of flow from the, from the flesh? I'll tell you why. Because we worry so much. And so it, it, it makes it easier if we're able to just sort of justify the, the, our sin against God's command not to worry about anything, right? But the reality is that God's Word is teaching us here today. This isn't my notes. This is the Word of God teaching us here today. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, well, what are you going to replace that with? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Look at this with me again. Do not be anxious about anything, but instead... In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. This has got to start in the mind if it's ever going to penetrate our hearts. This understanding of abandoning this place of anxiety and worship, worry and, and fear and resting in the peace of God. It's about perspective changing and understanding that the things that we're worrying about are just mere circumstances in life and also remembering that our circumstances aren't the foundation or the source of our joy or lack of joy, but rather God is. And so here we see this text and it says, be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious uh, toward anything. And and we go, oh, well, wait, we want to push back because, because worry just seems to be such a big part of our life. And then we see, but, here's the instructions for us coming straight from God's Word, but through prayer and supplication, supplication with thanksgiving, let our requests, let our prayers, let our requests be known to God. If He is the source of your peace, why wouldn't you tell Him rather than picking up the phone and calling your best friend over the circumstances in your life? As soon as we hear a bit of bad news, I don't think God's going to return that text message so quickly we just, we go to worldly things and to our friends and our neighbors and, and heaven forbid, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go there. I'm not saying don't reach out to your, your godly friends, your pastor. I'm not saying that. But, but the Word of God says don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your request be known to God. So prayer is a word 
that is something that we need to understand here this morning because here's the thing. Prayer is a word that describes us, listen to this, entering into the presence of God. Entering into the presence of God. So we have a circumstance, and it's not good. We hear the news, and it's not good. It's, it's bad news. It's, it's terrible news. And we find ourselves disciplining ourselves to not jump immediately to worry, but rather turn to an almighty God who deeply cares for us and who deeply loves us and enter into his presence through prayer that circumstance how many of you this is a rhetorical question but how many of you have ever have ever uh, had a circumstance you thought was the end of the world only for an hour later it's all resolved and for that one hour what happened you entered into the presence of God no you didn't <laughs> next week's sermon is on lying no the end of the world news breaks and you rush to conclusions oh my life is over how will we ever come out of this what are we to do oh my the sky is falling I mean we just jump to all kind of conclusions our natural reaction is not to turn and enter into the presence of God which is where we will find what? Rest and peace and joy and gladness. And we will remember that our circumstance doesn't get the opportunity to determine for us how we feel about life. God does. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's not denying the natural tendency for us to worry. What Paul is saying here is run into the arms of God who cares deeply for you. I just got a reminder that the equipment for service is about to begin. So that means ours is probably... How did that... That's the first time that's ever come up on my iPad. Somebody has hacked my iPad. Nick. Prayer describes us coming into the presence of God. And prayer is best illustrated, I think, as, as really like a hurting child who, who runs into the arms of a caring parent. That's, that's the way I see prayer. Now, typically, our prayers are like this. God, I really need you to rescue me today. I have goofed off, and I have messed up, and I need you to do this for me. That's not where our prayers should begin. We've already looked at the reality, the truth that we should build a foundation of what? Of praise. So we build a foundation of praise. We're praising God. We're thanking God. And in our circumstances, we run into the arms of God and we find ourselves in the presence of God. Now, he also uses another word, supplication. Supplication means basically a request but that's really basically what it means here in this context where Paul is using it he says he says this he says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God and so Paul is up to something he's not just saying make your request be known to God he says that at the end he says pray run into the presence of God with with prayer and supplication and supplication has this has this meaning that kind of goes along with it being more than just a request it's really more of a shared burden and so yes you're making a request but you know that the request that you are making ultimately to God through prayer as you make your request to God you realize that he is sharing the burden you are facing so whatever it is that's causing you anxiety whatever it is that's causing you worry you don't have to worry because you have prayer that ushers you into the presence of God and as you come into the presence of God you also know that he shares the burdens which you are going through isn't that beautiful isn't that beautiful if you walk out of here with one truth this morning Please walk out with this truth that God cares for you. And Paul says, he's not taking this lightly. He's not saying, oh, don't worry. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, don't worry, because when you're worrying, you're not trusting God, and that's sin. But he's also saying, you don't have to worry. Because through prayer, you are ushered into the presence of God. And with supplication, we know that the truth is that God cares deeply for us. So as you make your request, do it with thanksgiving. Do it with thanksgiving. Hebrews 5, 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears I love that what do our prayers look like are they just simply prayers of request asking for God to do away with the circumstances causing our worry or does it have more to do with us just spending time with the one who cares for us and who is the source of our peace I once read where it said worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine that's what worry does it pulls tomorrow's cloudiness over today's sunshine why do we worry so when we have a father who cares so deeply for us the final thing that I want to give us here this morning this final truth and I've got two minutes Paul challenges us to construct a wall of righteousness. So we build that foundation of praise. Build that foundation of of praising God. We we build that wall, we raise that wall of prayer because that is so important in our life where we get to, to run into the arms and the presence of God. And then Paul challenges us to construct a wall of of righteousness. He says here in verse 8, he says this, Finally, brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable think about these things i love that he he's he's, he lays out all these characteristics have you noticed anything about those characteristics that we just read they're all characteristics of christ 
Every one of them are the characteristics of Christ. Not to say that this is all. I mean, he's definitely got a whole lot more than, than that we could attribute to him. As we look at this, what Paul says to us in this letter, what he's writing to these Philippians and he's saying to them, in the midst of a difficult situation that he finds himself in, he says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, what does he say? Place those in your heart? No. He says, think about these things. In other words, he challenges us to use our minds to guard our heart think about these things in other words he's talking about this change of perspective but the perspective is one that points us to the characteristics of Christ and Christ himself as believers we are called to be Christ-like amen we're called to be like Christ that's what Christian means little Christ that's exactly what it means little Christ so we are called to be followers of Christ but to also be Christ-like and then he says if we're going to keep if we're going to you know guard our our minds if we're going to keep our mind in the game then we need to make sure that our thoughts are on things of righteousness not things of the world but things of righteousness and when our minds are focused on the things of God there's not room for fear when our minds are focused on the things of Christ, there's no room for anxiety. When our minds are focused on praising Jesus for who He is and what He has done for us, there's not a lot of room for fear. And so Paul says, construct this wall of righteousness. I want to finish with this. You know, Paul had a young protege named, that was difficult, protege named a disciple, okay? A student. That was a, it just became a tongue twister for me. It's a French word, that's why. I speak country boy, so it just doesn't fit in my vocabulary. But he had this young man named Timothy that he was constantly mentoring and pouring into. And, and in fact, as we read through the New Testament, we see that, that Paul wrote two letters. He actually wrote more than this, but he wrote two letters that found their way in the New Testament to Timothy himself and I love reading through these letters to Timothy I, I don't know if it's because I'm a pastor myself or because I'm a young man maybe it's because I'm a young man but uh, that's a joke but anyway I'm already past half dead uh, we, we established when I turned 50 that uh, in the Bible it says when you're 50 you're half dead so that couldn't be true so maybe it's just that I'm a pastor but I like reading through these letters that Paul wrote to Timothy because he teaches so much. They teach us so much truth. They teach us so much about how we are to live out our life as, as followers of Christ. Here's a young man who, who Paul was pouring into, and no doubt he had questions. If he had a phone, he'd be texting, I got another one. What do I do when this happens? That's so much like these letters sort of play out to us, you know. Well, here's what you do. They're very practical, and I like them. And so Paul is writing these letters to Timothy, and in his first letter, at the very end of the first letter, chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, he says something that's really interesting to me. He says something that is really profound to me. 
In 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul writes these words to Timothy. He's just talked about the sins of the world. He's just talked about unrighteousness that'll be surrounding you as, as not only a pastor, but as a church. The sins of the world. He's just talked about all of that. And then Paul says this, but as for you, as for you, O man of God, he says, flee those things. Flee these things. And what does he say? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul says to this disciple, he says, he says, Timothy, you are a man who surrendered your life to Christ Jesus. You are a man who knows Jesus. And the words that he gives him, the last words, Paul could say anything to this young man in the conclusion of his letter, but he chooses these words, and he says to him, flee these things and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. He's, gentleness he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal What a word for us this morning. What a word for us this morning. Pursue righteousness. It begins with our minds being on Christ. Fight the good fight. We're not quitters. We're not quitters, are we? Are we quitters? This has like been the sermon of, of congregational response this morning, hasn't it? We're not quitters. Paul says to Timothy, I know you're going through tough times. I know you're going through battles. For heaven's sakes, Timothy, I've been through so much as an old man. I know what you're going through, and I know what you're going to have to go through. But pursue what? Righteousness that can only come from who? Jesus. Chase after Jesus. Keep your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on the righteousness of Christ. And you run toward those things and you fight the good fight because you're not a quitter. You're not going to give up here. And you pursue the eternal because we are only here for a moment. We are only here for a moment. And that reality has been so confirmed in my own heart lately. We are only here for a short time. And I don't know about you, faith family, but as for me, I want to pursue God with everything I have. I want to latch on to the righteousness of Christ. And I want to fight to the end. And I'm not going to determine the end. God will determine that for me. But I'm going to fight 
the good fight. I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to refuse to allow my circumstances to bring despair in my life because I serve one who is greater. I serve one who is greater. In just a moment, we're going to close in prayer and you respond however God is leading you to respond. This altar is open. We're down here in the front. If you want to come and speak to one of us, we are here for you. I know that every one of us here today are going through circumstances in our life that are enough to bring us down. But God cares deeply for 